1: offer subject to change valid for qualified residential customers only service not available in all areas restrictions apply at bed 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every home run every hit every inning every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field
2: Hour number two of the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi back home in New Jersey. And, Michael, we're going to talk all things uh, New York and Boston with Will Hill and Josh Applebaum in hour number two. It's going to be great to have those guys back on. Talk some baseball in New York and certainly in Boston as well. We're going to talk about the Patriots here too. But I just saw this on Twitter, and I want you to react to it if you would, sir. This is from Michael Gelkin, who we've had on the program here a lot on the Lombardi line. And Michael tweets, ex-Cowboys wide receiver Amari Cooper on C.D. Lamb's readiness to be the number one receiver in Dallas. And I quote, C.D.'s been ready. Then he laughs. C.D.'s been ready. Again, it's just about opportunity. I think if Kellen Moore decides to feature him, he's definitely ready to step up. C.D. is a playmaker. Okay, Amari Cooper's now in Cleveland. Those are interesting comments. Very quickly, is that a shot at Kellen Moore?
3: Well, I, I think it. You know, I, I think anybody who understands the game and watches what the the Cowboys' offense does and understands tactical football and the difference between strategy and tactics understands that he struggles at times, and this is just because he's a young coach, and you know, he's very well liked media-wise. But the reality of it is, is, you know, uh, I, I think there's room for growth here. And he calls plays. As I said yesterday on the show, it's a lot of battleship football, you know, and there's no, and he's never really done a good job of getting the ball to the guys he's got to get the ball to at the most critical times. You know, as Bill Walsh had always told coaches to have a post-it note attached to their desk saying, what assets do I have that we're not using? And I think that Kellen just doesn't understand that. Like, he's got assets that he does. He runs plays. He doesn't run players' plays. And I think that this is what the commentary is.
2: Yeah, to me, because as a Cowboy fan and somebody that wants to back the Cowboys this year, but I've shied away from it because what the Eagles did in the offseason, part of the shying away for me is Kellen Moore. We talked about this with the Los Angeles and the Chargers and Boy Genius 2.0, Brandon Staley. I need to make sure that the people in charge of the players are going to do their job. Because it's hard as a better to just blindly trust when you look at paper because you have to realize that is a very astute observation. And Amari Cooper's telling you. He said Kellen. He called him out and said, if Kellen decides to feature him, then C.D. Lamb will show you what he's made of. But that has not happened yet.
3: Well, I think if, like I said earlier, I mean, the Cowboys offense is always up and down. It's like the market. And so, you know, there's a reason for it. And a lot of the times the players get blamed for it. And and certainly Amari Cooper was blamed for it. But there's more to it than just meets the eye. Right. And sometimes it's the scheme. And, you know, because people don't understand scheme, they they can't blame it. Because the, the people that are teaching or talking about the scheme on television don't really understand it. Don't understand how that, you know, Cooper Cup can get the ball 81 times for first downs, and yet Amari Cooper can't get the ball when it's critical.
2: And I think it's a salient point when we're talking about coaching, certainly in L.A. and in Dallas. We really don't have these conversations about New England because we know Bill Belichick, you know Bill Belichick, and you know the way he's going he's to dole out the assignments in New England, and I think they're going to be crystal clear for everybody on that staff. It might not be crystal clear to the fan base, to the media, and maybe Bill likes it that way. You know, maybe the ambiguity is good. He doesn't need you to know everything he's trying to do. To that point, New England will not have an official offensive coordinator – In 2022, which seems bizarre in 2022, Joe Judge is going to serve officially as the QB's coach and Matt Patricia will serve as the O-line coach and senior football advisor. Michael, in this day and age where everybody looks at the OC, whether or not the head coach is calling the plays, we've talked about with Mike McCarthy's not doing that in Dallas, Kellen Moore is. Is this, does this indicate anything to you that Bill says, I don't need to give out that title offensive coordinator, which feels like a very cherished title for somebody to have in 2022.
3: Well, I think, look, you know, one thing about Coach Belichick, he's never going to put a coach in a bad situation. It's like he's never going to, you know, say you're the coordinator and if the defense or the offense doesn't work, it's all on you because he's the head coach and the buck stops with him. So by having no titles, everything points in his direction. And it makes it uncomfortable for the media. You know, just like the media thinks that when when he wasn't putting journeys numbers on his practices at minicamps, that he was just messing with them. No, he wasn't. He was trying to get the players to communicate and talk to one another. Mm. And another day, he could care less about the media. But every time, it's always the media focuses on, on why are you doing this to us? <laughs> when he's trying to make sure that... He deflects the blame that's coming. Look, Belichick is not going to allow anybody to call plays that he doesn't feel is in the best interest of the job. When his team reports tomorrow and he stands in front of everybody, he's going to go over the same speech I've heard a million times. Everything's earned. Nothing's given. Hmm. And that goes for coaches and staff. That goes for players, coaches, and staff. So whoever's going to call the plays, could it be Belichick himself? Probably. Could it be Joe Judge? I don't know. Could it be Matt Patricia? I doubt it. But whoever gets that role is going to have earned it. He's just not going to be giving to it and assume it's all going to go to plan. I look at
2: this and I go, when a guy's won six Super Bowls like Bill Belichick's done in New England – how can you do a better coaching job than when you win six Super Bowls? I thought he did a remarkable. Well, there's, some
3: people, there's some people that talk on this network that don't think he does a good job. They think he's lost his fastball. You know, it's like, seriously, like, do you pay attention to any of this? Wow. Like, does anybody understand how hard it is to win so many games in the National Football League? I mean, for some, I think that they don't. But, you know, it, it, the reality of it is, is, is not all teams are the same. And he's got to do, and he'd be the first to say, They've got to grow. They've got to get better. Mac Jones has got to get better. They've got to get better on defense. I mean, when you don't hold – when you don't stop the Buffalo Bills in eight quarters right. on any third down, you've got to get better. But the bottom line
2: to me for last year, if we kind of look back to what they accomplished getting to, to the playoffs in year number one with Mac Jones and the way they, they kind of brought him along and we saw the evolution as the year went on, and I thought it was a masterful job because I, I, don't, I don't look at them and say that's an overly talented roster. Right. So, like, to me, that's good coaching. That, that's the way I kind of assess it from the outside looking in. How would you evaluate Belichick last year? Because you're right. There are some people that did not think for some reason that he didn't do a very good job. And maybe he's on the down on the back nine, if you will, of his coaching hierarchy.
3: You know, I, 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 because I don't think people really understand it. I mean, we had some people that thought that the decision to run the ball in the in the in the game in the Buffalo with the win was a was a horrible decision. I mean, so that goes without saying. <laughs> but the reality of it is, is, is you know, last year's team was starting with a rookie quarterback. Right. I mean, you know, and and a lot of new pieces. You know, whether it was Aguilar, whether it was Bourne, you know, Hunter Henry, uh, John U. Smith, a lot of pieces trying to come together. And I think they made some progress. I, don't, I think defensively, they got too old. And I think that was part of the problem. And I think he knew it. I think his young players weren't ready to play. His old players couldn't play. That's a hard thing to be in. But Judon played really well for him. Mm-hmm. They've got to get better. I, they have to get better. But I, I don't think he's lost his fastball. I think if you play against the New England Patriots, they're not going to beat themselves. And you're going to have to do a good job of beating them.
2: I look at the plus money to make the postseason plus $1.35. For a team that didn't make the postseason last year, we do have the expanded playoffs as well. The The, the win total here, 8.5. It is juiced to the over here, minus $1.20, so that's some respect in the betting market out here in Sin City and certainly at BetMGM. What, what, is, what is the direction of this team? Is it Mac Jones that they're going to build it around Mac, or is this going to be Mac is a uh, – he kind of just – doles out the assignments to the offensive players and really he's just one of 11 or does he have to be the alpha
3: of the 11 in year two well I I think you have to understand the Patriots mentality is is everything's game plan specific so whoever they are playing the week they play right they they may decide they have to throw it 50 times whoever they're playing the next week they may have to throw it Twenty-five times. It's all. It's all never going to be on one player's shoulder. It's going to be what do we do this week that'll help us win the game, and that's going to be the most important part of it. And that's how he approaches every single week. That's why every week is different. That's why he needs players that have able that are able to adapt and work their way through and understand that change is part of the world they live in.
2: And that's fascinating because again, you look at say Justin Herbert and it, with the Chargers, and you feel like everything is going to go to Herbert. Well, it's all gonna be stemming from him. And what you just laid out there is the way the Patriots have done it to win six Super Bowls. And yeah, I mean, I remember infamously for me, as not somebody who was rooting for the Patriots back then, you could watch one week a game plan that's completely different from the yeah. next week in the postseason. And sometimes Brady's the star, and sometimes it's it's you know, it's Kevin Falk. I mean, that's the way Belichick's done it historically, and it's always worked to the tune of six Super Bowls.
3: Yeah. I mean, you would never know it, by the way. Some people talk about it. But the reality of it is, is, you know, it's it's it works. It, right. it works. And, you know, and it, it's worked against and no one's had this run of success that he's had. I mean, it's just, you know, now you could say, well, it's all Tom Brady. OK. yeah, You know, I mean, we've seen that before. Is it all LeBron James? Right. You know, is it all LeBron James? You know, I mean, Dan Marino had the most – has the, had the winningest coach in NFL history on the sidelines with him mm. in the prime of his career at 25 years old, and he missed the playoffs four consecutive years.
2: I look at this division, too, and they're plus four $4 to win the East. You never root for injuries, but they happen. You know, Josh Allen, he goes down in Buffalo. I, I, I want to see how that works out without Brian Dable there any longer – And what Sean McDermott, God forbid, they have to have that scenario. But I can understand why they're 4-1 with Josh Allen. But, Michael, I look at the the roster construction of 53. It's not bad in New England. I mean, they got pieces here, and it's not all about Mac Jones. So, So, to me, plus money to make the postseason is not a bad wager.
3: No I mean, but they, look, they haven't proven that they can win a game against them. Right. I mean they've got to play Buffalo better and Josh Allen's been you know the the guy that that has that, that has come through you know he's been able to to make the throws make the plays and they've got to have an answer for him and they're not going to win if they can't beat him and they're going to, and I'm sure they spent most of their offseason focusing on that.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. When we come back, let's talk a little bit with Will Hill, the king of New York, and maybe we'll sneak in a Bills question before we get to baseball and what's going to go on with the Metropolitans and the Yankees in the second half of the season. Come on back to Lombardi Line right here in Easton, the Sports Betting Show. The VEASAN Summer Special is here. For only $19, you get everything VEASAN has to offer from now to the end of the month. Sign up today. You're going to get VEASAN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily MLB's best bets, NFL preseason coverage. Can't believe it. NFL is almost here, everybody. Premium articles on golf, UFC, big event going on UFC London tomorrow, and NASCAR. So if you want that full VEASAN experience, which features a daily Best Bets email, every edition of Per Weekly, use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $19 to be a subscriber through July 31st. So sign up now at com slash summer. Back alongside Michael Lombardi. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. It is always a pleasure to go to, gr- to the great city of New York City. The city's so nice they named it twice. The king of New York He is Will Hill. Follow him on Twitter as I do at NotTheWillHill. And Will, before we get into baseball, because you know I can't wait to ask you about the Metropolitans and, yes, the Yankees, I got to ask you about the Buffalo Bills because Michael and I were just discussing it. Like, I look at some of the rosters, right? Like, I like Miami's roster. I don't know if I like their quarterback. I love the Bills quarterback. I don't know how much I like the rest of the roster construction i like the patriots roster we got to figure out about mac jones this year and then the jets are still well, the are they're up and coming what do you make of the bills god forbid if josh allen went down is this team good enough or is it all predicated on josh allen
5: Well, I mean, you could say that with Mahomes, you could say that with any of these teams that's relying on the quarterback. I mean, the best you can hope for is he misses three or four games and you're able to go, you know, two and one or two and two while they're out. I mean, nobody can really sustain the loss of their quarterback. I think Nick Foles in the playoffs is the exception. Very rarely can that happen. Uh, I think they come in as the favorite, the rightful favorite. You know, it's hard to make money betting on the favorite, but uh, to me, this team, uh, can they get over the 13 seconds that'll live in infamy last year? That'll be the question. Uh, but to me, this team is legit. I think we saw them make a, a very good new England team last year. Look very bad. A couple different times late in the year. So uh, to me, they have all the talent. We'll see if they can uh, come through here.
2: Yeah. And they, obviously that's yep. why they're the big betting favorite in the AFC East.
3: You know, I, I just think that Will's right. I mean, it's so hard. Every team, you could say that if they go down to the next guy. New England, if they go to Brian Hoyer, where are they? We've seen that before. So it's, it's very challenging. That's why I think the approach, and this is what I wrote about today and yesterday for VEASAN, is you've got to be really careful in the, in the preseason because if you lose a guy, uh, and you lose somebody of that 50, if the Rams lose Stafford, I mean, is John Wolford going to be able to carry them mm. to another Super Bowl? I doubt it. So I, I think ultimately that that's got to be the case, and coaches have to work around that. And When you're Brian Dayball, who's trying to figure out Daniel Jones – you know, <laughs> yeah. and trying to get him ready to play. How do you handle all that?
2: Yeah, it's a great point, gentlemen. That's why, again, a kind of a tangent here. That's why I like the Eagles because if Jalen Hurts isn't the guy, they actually have a capable backup to me and Gardner Minshew. They're one of the rare teams when I look at a betting profile that I can trust that roster enough with what they've done in the in the draft and, and certainly with the trade and the acquisitions that if the quarterback is not who we think he is. I think they're still going to be okay in the betting profile. So just some food for thought for people out there as we get ready for the NFL season. But we are in the throes of baseball season, Will. And again, you know you know me well enough by now. I can't wait to see what's going to happen with Jacob DeGrom once he gets back in New York City with Max Scherzer. Max looks great. And then I hear the news. Uh-oh, Jacob, maybe he's not ready to go. Will, do I have to hit the panic button or are we going to be okay?
5: Well, you should be used to that by now. Is there something recent in the last hour? Because last night <laughs> I heard he pitched 60 pitches in the in the simulated game last night. All systems were go. Has there been another setback? Or no, but was it's was just good? the
2: one the one before the All Star break, and you know it just it, it makes me nervous because we're waiting and waiting and waiting for Degrom. As great as Scherzer is, Degrom is still the ace of aces. Let's not let's not fool ourselves. When fully healthy, I mean, that's how good he is. That Scherzer is the one A to the one that is Degrom,
5: right? true. And, you know, it's funny. Mets fans like to tweak Cole and say, you know, make fun of his contract, make fun of the fact he got bombed against Boston. I always talk about this on the podcast. As great as DeGrom is, if you switch DeGrom and Cole, if you put Cole on the Mets instead of DeGrom, they're probably up eight or nine games just because, look, Cole pitches. And I don't care how great you are. And DeGrom is basically, you know, he puts up video game stats. July 7th of last year was the last time he pitched at some point here. You got to stop with the rehab starts, the bullpens, you know, the simulated games. You got to actually put the Mets uniform on, go out there and pitch. Uh, Once he's back, I think he'll still be the best. Uh, To me, they they have enough to hold off Atlanta. I think it'll be a great race. You know, they play five times, uh, a five game series in Citi Field in August. Then they turn around and play a four game series in Atlanta. So they play nine times within like a two and a half week stretch. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I do think Degrom will be back. Sounds like he's uh, on the right track here. No issues last night through sixty pitches. So I think finally, which is going to be good for baseball, good for the Mets because he's so much fun to watch. I do think Degrom will be back here uh, within the next week or two.
3: You know, I saw on Twitter yesterday as uh, you were working diligently for all the franchises that you work for, uh, and you had a Yankees that they what, you you you're making a trade for the Yankees. What, what do you, <laughs> you what do you want left-handed pitching now? I mean, tell me what you want.
5: They've gotten exposed here by the Astros. They certainly need another left-handed bat Gallo, I mean, Gallo is an automatic out how they keep running him out there. I mean, his stats, it's just, you know, he's hitting, uh, you know, a buck, whatever strikes out every time. It just hasn't worked for whatever reason. They don't get much out of the shortstop position offensively. And now the pitching, which has been so great is starting to show some cracks. Severino's hurt. Tyone and Cortez have come back to the pack a little. So Look, it's not the Yankees of old with George Steinbrenner in charge. Well, they'll go out and get anybody and everybody. If George was involved, look, Soto would be in right field tonight for the Yankees. He could care less <laughs> about these prospects, but it's not how they do business anymore. But they do need a left-handed bat. I mean, if you keep judging Stanton in the ballpark, they just, it's hard for them to score because it's all, you know, they're very prone to, uh, you know, uh, right-handed pitching in terms of, look, it's Lemayhu, it's Torres, it's all right-handed bats. They don't have that lefty presence. Rizzo's good, but he's not that, you know prototypical left-handed bat you want you could use one more uh their lineup looks a little short against houston houston's made them look bad here in seven games houston's five and two really could have won all seven
2: they're 34 games over 500 i know i know
3: it's it's, it's mind-blowing I mean, that, that just sounded like they haven't won a game in eight months i mean <laughs> I that, just, that whole report right there just sound like they haven't won a game in eight months I mean, it's he, fair,
5: but look, they do this. They're a bully. They beat up on these bad teams. They've had trouble this past well, I mean, decade, They can really. only
3: beat up on the teams. They have to play. They can't just pick and choose. They can't say we're going to play Vanderbilt this week. We're going to play, you know, we're going to play North Dakota state tomorrow. Like they got to play who they play. Right.
5: Yeah, but you see this in the NBA where there's regular season teams and there's postseason teams. And sometimes, the, you know, their, their regular season dominance doesn't always translate to the postseason because you don't get to beat up on the bad teams in the postseason. You, they got to show mental toughness, be able to grind out a run, manufacture a run, bunt, steal a base. Look, I'm sounding like the old guy now, but they're just very reliant on the home run. Like I said, they're too right handed. Uh, maybe they win it all. T- to count them out would be foolish. Like you said, they've got a great record, they've got the best record. Uh, they can certainly use an improvement, though. They can use a, a renovation or two here before the deadline.
2: Over $3 in the betting market if they can win the World Series. $140 plus $1.40 to win the pennant. You got like 10000 if you think there's going to be a Bucky Dent in reverse scenario here and the Bo Sox or the Blue Jays or the Rays chase them down. They have a 12-game lead in this division. How about the one there? Most regular season wins plus a dollar. That's intriguing to me, Will, because I think what you're getting to is you think there's regression coming for the Yankees in the second half, that they can't keep up this ridiculous pace of being 34 games over 500.
5: Yeah, I mean, look, they they were on pace at one point to win like 122 games. This is certainly not that kind of team. Uh, Whether they win 106, 108, Houston's right on their heels. Houston's only two and a half behind them. Uh, I think that's probably a fair price for them to win the most regular season games. I do think it'll probably come down to the wire between them, Houston, L.A. You still have to figure in uh, to that, too, because right. it's funny. Dodgers, the, the thinking with the Dodgers, the feel uh, about them is, you know, their pitching's not as good, kind of a down year. You look up, there are a million games over 500, too. And uh, I think when you look at baseball, there's never been a bigger gap between the haves and the have-nots. There's five really good teams, I would say, in no particular order, Yankees, Astros, Braves, Mets, Dodgers. The world champion is going to come from one of those five teams. There's a clear gap after those five teams. I would say 31
2: games over 500. The Dodgers are. I mean, yeah. you're right. It is sickening. Sometimes you look at some of these divisions where we stand here, well, Michael, I, and you go, "Wow." I
3: mean, but the reality, but the reality of it is, it, it, it's all because of the spending and the different markets. I mean, they're not the NFL where they're, you know every local market is a different market for these teams. And what Oakland, you know, they can't get anybody to go to the game there, so no. they're not going to have any money to spend. And meanwhile, the Yankees get people to go to games. And so it's all just the inequity of the, of the market share based on the local market, not the national market. Brad, excuse me.
2: No doubt. The Dodgers, 100%. by the way, yeah, 10 and a half yeah, and game some teams lead. aren't
5: trying You get teams like the A's, the Reds. They're not trying. You can say, well, people don't go to the games. Well, you're not giving them a reason to go to the games. You trade half the team before the season starts. It's a big problem. You hit on something that's a great point, Michael. It's a great, it's a big problem in baseball because you need a floor here. You need to give these teams a reason to, you know, not pull the process with the Sixers where you win 40, 50 games. You need these teams to try and not all the whole league is trying right now.
2: Um, we only have about 45 seconds very quickly. will tell the people about the New York City cast because you get some amazing guests on your on your uh, weekly cast here in new york city
5: yeah a lot to do it's going to be busy once uh, september october roll around with the jets the giants yankees and mets in the playoffs but we got aaron shots coming on next week i had chris farley on today who, who finished fifth in the circa millions contest had Vito, Joe Coley from the Sopranos on this week. So had some good guests, been giving out some winners. So uh, VEASAN.com slash podcast, check it out. we got to get Lombardi back on. I don't know if I have to talk to his agent, send out uh, a request here, well, I mean, but I'd like to get you know, Lombardi you, back on at some point.
3: Yeah, you got too many guys on there. I mean, it's hard. It's not, not easy. You know, it's like trying to get a table at Craig's in West Hollywood. It's not easy.
2: <laughs> That's why he's the king of New York, everybody. Follow him on Twitter as I do at NotTheWillHill. Will, always appreciate the time and the information, my friend.
3: Thanks, buddy.
2: All right, when we come back, we're going to ship up to Boston, catch up with Josh Habiboff. Are the Red Sox going to make a run in the second half? Come on back. It is V-Sports betting network. Lombardi line. Dave Ross here at South Point Casino. Ian at Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi back in New Jersey. We just had the King in New York. Will Hill on in New York. So why not go up to Boston to catch up with Josh Applebaum? Of course, you watch him daily on Betting Across America, the Market Insights podcast, and the author of the everything guide to sports betting. And I want to start right there if we could, Josh, because we're getting into the second half of Major League Baseball. For those that are looking in the futures market in Major League Baseball, are there any do's and dotes as we come off the all-star break and you look kind of big picture into the second half of the baseball season?
6: Yeah, Dave, Michael, it's great to be with you. So, yeah, yesterday we kind of had just a taste of some MLB a few games yesterday. We finally got the full slate back today. So it's kind of that break. Now it's back to the sprint going toward the end of the year. But a couple things, Dave, that I would look toward in the second half. Number one is motivation. You know, I think right now in the second half, I think betters have a better advantage in the second half than they did in the first half because in the first half, you know, we saw some teams that surprised us played great when we didn't expect it, played poorly when we didn't expect it. Now we have a big sample size on on these teams and kind of knowing which teams are good, which teams are bad, and especially going into the trade deadline. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. My Boston Red Sox right now, they're 48-45. and They started terrible. They had a fantastic June. They've struggled again late here into July going into the All-Star break. Uh, But what are they going to do at the deadline? You're way back at the Yankees, 15 and a half games, but only two games back. Of the wild card, I think, to me, I would kind of tread a little bit lightly as you get back into it. You do see, you tend to see some favorites do very well right out of the all star break because these games that we're playing now, you know, these teams that are favored, you know, they have rested bullpens. A lot of these starters are your aces who got pushed back, so you see kind of see some chalk, you know, coming out of the all star break. But a team like the Red Sox, are they going to be a buyer or a seller? I think that's what you have to ask yourself. You want the advantage of knowing which teams are good and bad, but also who will sell, who will buy. The Red Sox, guys, you listen to talk radio in Boston. A lot of people are saying sell. A lot of people are saying buy. Mm. We'll see what happens here. Bogarts, you know, is in the last year of his deal. Devers got kind of uh, totally, you know, offended to, his, to uh, a good degree. And I think he was warranted by a really low ball offer the Red Sox made similar to Matt Olson. To me, as a Sox fan, you're kind of thinking, will they buy? Will they sell? Overall, if you're betting these future markets, I want to know who's ramping up for a a run here in the playoffs and who's kind of packing it in and maybe bringing up some AAA guys.
2: Yeah, I'm fascinated by that because, again, I look at the Sox and I go three games over 500. Not too shabby, but... To be a playoff team, before you jump on those future numbers, you have to figure out which teams might be sellers or buyers. That's going to be a huge part of it. I mean, like, Juan Soto feels like the big chip that's out there right now. And I just saw a tweet out there that the new ownership group in Washington, D.C., potentially would be only interested in buying the team if Juan Soto is still on the team. So there's so many moving parts before you just assume, say, a Yankees or a Mets are going to be in that Juan Soto sweepstakes. So I think that's a really good strategy, Josh. You have to figure out, identify which teams are going to be buyers and which teams are going to be sellers. I know you're also ramping up here uh, for college football. And I was just looking at the ACC because we talked a little bit about it in our number one with Wes Reynolds. We talked about NC State. And they feel like a team that really could surprise – In the ACC, I'm seeing around market wide, fifteen to one to win the ACC. Is this a team right now down there uh, in Raleigh that really might surprise? Because I know we talk about Clemson. Could NC State? Don't turn your back on the Wolfpack. Could they be right in the
6: mix? I think they could, Dave. And this kind of brings us to a larger conversation about betting win totals in general. So I think a lot of us right now are obviously laser focused on NFL win totals, you know, the biggest market, you know, the most amount of action, the most excitement. But remember, we can bet college win totals as well. So I think one thing to lean on, and I've kind of learned this uh, from you know a bunch of different people that I've picked the brain of, especially Kenny White, who does a really good job of looking at stability versus instability. I think this is really important if you're betting college football win totals. You know, if you're the type of team who's bringing back a ton of starters, like kind of a benchmark. Marcus, are you bringing back at least five starters on both sides of the ball, you know, anything better, higher than that, you give, you'll have even more confidence in these teams. But you know, if you're, if these teams are stable, if you're bringing back your quarterback, you're bringing back your coach, you're bringing back a lot of starters. Maybe you're building off a good year last year. You know, Utah comes to mind as a team, you know, out West that had a really good year and is bringing back their quarterback and a lot of their starters. But I think if you're betting these overs, what I'm looking at is stability, you know, bringing back all your same guys. If I'm going to bet an under, I want instability. I want, you know, transfer portals, people leaving new head coaches, I think that's a big thing to look at. So when you're betting these college football win totals, do your research spend time on google figure out who's coming back who left what the depth charts are a good website is ourlads.com that's what I look at for a lot of these depth charts but on the topic of a team that I'm high on it would be NC State here Dave you know will they catch Clemson win the ACC I'm not sure Clemson is a minus 140 favorite but I really like the NC State over win total it's eight and a half it opened up juiced up over around minus 140 now it's over minus 160 mm. this is a team that went nine and three last year uh, and they're returning 17 starters this is a, to me the example of what to look for if you're Getting and over 17, 17 starters are coming back. Uh, they're 12th in all the nation in terms of returning uh, starter production. They had the number three defense last year and 14 of their top 15 tacklers are back this year. Then the quarterback, Devin Leary, he's entering his fourth season as a starter, 35 touchdowns over 3000 yards last year. And their first four games are against uh, ECU, Charleston, Southern Texas tech and Yukon. Mm-hmm. You think Texas tech might be decent, but their win total is just five and a half. I think on the topic of looking at teams that you want to bet an over on, NC State checks all, all the boxes for me. Stability, tons of returning starters, returning quarterback, and the market is telling us, hey, juiced up over, give me that over 8.5 for the Wolfpack. Wolfpack.
3: Yeah, and, and they're well coached. I mean, I think that's the other thing you got to add into this thing. They're well coached. 82% of the team that last year, the production that they got from the team, returns. And, look, I think in college football, you look at schedules count the wins because you can count them. They're not going to lose to UConn as, as you know, uh, Don Brown tries to rebuild that program there, you know. So they're going to count the wins and then, you know, look at the conference. And I think with Leary as the quarterback and the returning defense that they have, you know, that's the one variable. The one thing about college football, you got to be really careful. You better make sure you know who's on the team because mm. these guys <laughs> transfer at a moment's notice.
2: <laughs> Yeah, they are leaving at a pretty high rate here. I want to get to another team that you've got your eye on. And I'm, I don't know if I'm glad that Mike Pritchard is not here for this conversation or not, but the Buffaloes of Colorado, is Pritch going to be happy this year or is it going to be another rough year for Carl's around company?
6: So I think overall Pritch is going to be disappointed, but he may be happy if we can cash the under win total with Colorado. Maybe that'll soften the (laughs) blow there a little bit, but you know, guys, kind of the other end of the spectrum. We just hit on NC state uh, and Michael backed us up there with that returning production and head coach and everything. That's a team you want to buy on the team. You want to sell on would be a team that is going through a ton of instability. So Colorado to me is one of your top teams here to bet against uh, going into this season. They went four and eight last year. Their win total is three and a half this year. But actually open, this is the other thing, pay attention to where these win totals open with their juice and how they move. It opened 3.5 half minus one ten both sides. So right off the bat, you win four games last year, now it's 3.5. They're expecting, theoretically, a worse team this year. But the key here is it opened minus 110 both sides. Now it's minus 175. And actually just checked today, minus 190 to the under Mm. three and a half. So when the juice gets that high, guys, we're thinking maybe this thing even gets down to three. Now it's hard to, you know, lay such big juice on a long-term futures bet here. But this tells me that, hey, there's so much money on the under that they're really showing their hand here with a liability. Uh, We also got some bet MGM bet splits. The Buffs are getting 75% of bets, but 94% of the money to their win total under. And here's where it gets good if you want to bet against the Buffs. And don't tell our buddy Pritch, but uh, 22 players left the team. This is what Michael was talking about, the transfer portal. They've had 22 players leave, including six of their starters. They lost six of their 10 coaches. They'll keep their head coach, but all the other assistants, a lot of these guys are gone. And oh, by the way, last year they had the second worst offense in all of college football. They only averaged about 250 yards a game. So on one end of the spectrum, we have NC State looking good, bringing everyone back. The other, the other end of the spectrum is Colorado pretty much replacing your entire team. I'm going to bet against the buffs here. Give me the under three and a half with Colorado.
3: You know, plus the instability at quarterback. I mean, Colorado transfer, uh, the kid from the University of Houston, cop, they get him in, he's a freshman transfer. And then they get the kid from Tennessee, JT Shrout, to transfer in. So they've got two, they got question marks offensively, you know, and then defensively, where are they? I think it's always challenging, you know, the uncertainty of the Pac-12. And there are some good teams in the Pac-12. I, I do think Washington will be better, Oregon will be better. I know Utah is going to be better. The mm-hmm. team that I think will be better next year, year, it will be Arizona. Arizona won one game last year, and I think they'll win more than one game this year. Wow, that's
2: going to be uh, very interesting to watch the Wildcats, their ascension a little bit out there in the Pac-12. Very quickly in the last 90 seconds that we have, gentlemen, I know it's been a point of consternation across the network here about Shohei Otani in the MVP and or Cy Young markets. Josh, I see Otani right now, the third betting favorite to win Cy Young. Would you rather play Otani for MVP or would you rather play Otani for Cy Young?
6: I'd rather play MVP here, Dave. And again, one thing I like about Otani, tell me right now, if you get Otani even money, pretty much he's minus 105, minus 110 uh, to win MVP, I'll take that. Remember, Aaron Judge was the big leader there throughout the year. Otani, to me, guys, when you look at what he's doing both sides, hitting 258, 19 home runs, 56 RBIs, 9-4, 2.38 ERA on the bump. I think you're going to get a lot of love for Otani just from the voters saying, you know, is he the best hitter? You know, maybe, maybe not. Is he the best pitcher? Maybe, maybe not. But it's the combination of both that makes him the most valuable and most outstanding player overall. So I'll take that even money, guys. Minus 105, shop around. Otani's getting 17% of bets, 30% of money. He's going to do things down the stretch, and it happens every night he pitches. He's on the bump tonight. Uh, Surprisingly, he's actually a dog at Atlanta here. You're going to see, oh, he hit a homer, exit velocity 100. He almost hit 100 on the bump. I think you're going to get a lot of love for Otani, my pick AL Cy Young guys would be uh, Justin Verlander. Mm. McClanahan's your favorite, but he might get limited. He's approaching his in- innings limit. He's a young pitcher. Verlander, he's the horse here who knows how to get you know deep into the season. So Verlander's my pick, but give me Otani MVP. If I told you, you get Otani at Even Money Guys MVP, I think that's a bet that you take
2: absolutely love this discussion. I'm not taking it.
3: Yeah. I, I don't know how a guy can bat 258 and be the most valuable player. And his team, you know, his team is what? What's his team's record? I not mean, good. seriously. Come on, <laughs> man. You know, I mean, they're 21 games out of first place. That's, I mean, Bob Gibson's Josh, laughing. He's laughing. Appreciate you. Back with more of the LaMartine. <laughs> Thank Ronald you, Mason. Michael. Thank you, Dave.
4: This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. angie can even help with extremely specific projects just tell them what you need and angie will find the right solution for you get started at angie.com that's a-n-g-i.com or
0: download the app today this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge (sighs)
2: King of Sportsbooks unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you're going to earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk free tokens. When you trip to Vegas, come on out. Convert those BetMGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resort properties located in the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks. When you wager in the BetMGM app, sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligible restrictions to apply, visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back alongside Michael Lombardi, I'm Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line. It's something that Michael and Femi do, and they do a great job in the GM shuffle here. Is kind of breaking down here
3: position by position. Before we get position. going on that. Before we get going on yes, that, sir. David, I, I'd like to know, do you think Asani's the M V P of the league? Well I mean I mean, I'm not a baseball guy. I don't you know, like I like how is the – I mean, I know he pitches and hits. I get that. But he's hitting two – I mean, like, seriously, like, how is that the best player in all of baseball? Well, here's, I mean, I get that he's versatile. I, I understand that.
2: Well, here's – and I've had this debate, not just on this network, but with friends at other networks about the Otani thing. And, and, and one of my buddies said, you know, I, I think they want to give it to Judge, and I vehemently disagreed. I, said, I, I think the media wants to give this to Shohei. They want to give him one of the two. That's the vibe I get, Michael. So when I look at the betting market... Well, when is I that see, fair? I mean, is no, that, no, is that no, really no. fair? No, it's not. But you, this is what we talk about with awards, right? And they didn't want to give it to Aaron Rodgers last year. They didn't want to make him back-to-back MVP because there were, there were things that had nothing to do with football that they tried to get him out of that equation. But he was just too damn good. And they couldn't ignore it at the end. And then they had to give him back-to-back MVP. What I see in some of these betting markets, when these are voted on awards that you get some ambiguity at best as to what connotates MVP Cy Young, right? So I think what we're going to have here is baseball wants to give him something. Because when I watch MLB Network, Michael, it's Shohei. It's Shohei. It's more Shohei. And so there is a narrative out there to me that the betting market needs to, to, to take heed to. And I'm with you. I don't necessarily think that – I. Aaron Judge, if he keeps going at this rate, like to me that's the MVP on the best team in baseball. It's really kind of cut and dry for me. But when I look at the betting market and I see Shohei Otani still even money, that tells me that they are trying to figure out a way that he gets one of the two. And that could be at the expense of Judge, which I think would be criminal from a who do I think is the most valuable player that's helping the best team in baseball be the best team in baseball? That, to me, is judge. But the betting market is telling me something other. So, Michael, yeah. like, I, I try to take that part out of it because I'm with you. To me, if you made me cast a, a vote, I don't have one, people, so I can't rock the vote either way, I would vote for judge today. But it just it screams to me that the betting market is telling us that they're trying to figure out a way that Otani gets one of the two. Does that make sense? Yeah.
3: That makes sense, but I I just like you know as I write this book on the Hall of Fame, I don't understand how there's a predetermined, uh you know there's a there's a call you know there's there's a big end in mind. I don't get that you know like yeah, like right. let's just give it to the best player.
2: Correct, you're right. And, and see, here's the thing. We talked about it a little bit with Josh there, Josh Applebaum in the last segment, if you, if you missed it, you know that McClanahan might get to that in, innings limit here and they could kind of shut him down a little bit once he reaches that mark. So maybe he's now the favorite to win the Cy Young in the American League. Why would you pitch Otani if the Angels are, are, are not a team that's sniffing a playoff spot, and at this stage they are not, right? Why would you pitch Otani? So, like, the only reason to pitch Otani is because it's to win an award. You see what I'm getting at? So No, I got it. So, like, I look at it and I go, if this is what it's about for the Angels, is about Shohei Ohtani and not about team success, then you're going to keep pitching Shohei Ohtani because every time I watch, people just go, wow, he pitches and he hits. And it is fascinating. I'm not trying to downplay what Ohtani's doing. But now we know that, so let's look at the data. And if he's hitting 250, and he's the fourth or fifth best pitcher. It's still remarkable. It is. But is that the most valuable? So, like, I've got other people that tell me, Michael, that I'm crazy. And they go, absolutely. That's exactly what makes him valuable, the most valuable. Because nobody else can do this on the planet. To be the fourth or well, that's, fifth that's best true. pitcher. That's true. Nobody
3: else can do it. But, it, you know, one thing I've learned is, you know, a little bit of, uh, you know, you, you, need more, you need to be dominant in one area. If you're just good in two areas, is that really dominant? Does that help you become the most valuable player? It's unique. There's no doubt. But yes. to me, when, you know, it's like you have a lot of good players on your team. You don't have a star. You get a star, those good players look better.
2: Uh, no question. And, and to a point that, that Will Hill made earlier in the program, the Yankees don't score runs unless it's really Judge and Stanton, right? So if you're, you have a team that right now is on a historical pace in Major League Baseball, and the main reason, at least offensively, is 99, and oh, by the way, he is a stud defending his position too. We don't talk about that. We just talk about Atani pitching. We don't talk about how great Judge is as a defender. So he's not this one-way player. Like, how is Aaron Judge not the MVP as we sit here today when he's a great defender playing center field and he's the best hitter from a power standpoint on the best team in baseball? To me, it's an open and shut case. That's who I would give my vote for, but I have to be open to the idea that other people don't see it that way and they just want to go, wow, Shohei does something we haven't seen since Babe Ruth, so therefore, by default, he has to be the MVP. I don't see it that way, but I think that's the way people see it in the betting market.
3: Yeah, no, I can understand it. I mean, I just don't, I don't get it. But you know, there's a lot of things I don't get. It. You know, I don't get Aaron uh, Kyler Murray's contract. Uh, there's a lot of things I don't get. So no, I'm, I'm with you. Know, you. just ch- I mean, we should do a segment, Stephen Bond, of just I don't get it. But we'll we'll just chop it up.
2: <laughs> I think it's be a great segment. I think we should absolutely do it. And I think Stephen's already nodding his approval, Michael. That we'll have to get to that segment. So again, people, before you you, you have to think about this in narrative-driven awards. Right now, the narrative is. It's good for baseball, and it is good for baseball that Shohei Otani is this, you know, on this meteoric rise and of popularity. But that does affect voting people. So you can't just look at Judge and go, "Well, how is it not Judge?" This is how it could not be Judge. I would vote Judge, but again, we're trying to give you. You don't have a vote.
3: I don't have a vote. I I don't have a I don't have a vote for the Hall of Fame either. I mean, you know, that's the other thing. If you don't, how do you not have a vote for
2: the Hall of Fame in football?
3: I mean, I have no. I mean, how is Brett Musburger never won a Pete Rozelle Award? I mean, I, it's like how is those? You just you know, I'm not qualified to judge talent. You know, obviously those <laughs> sports writers know what they're doing.
2: Ah, I don't get it. Okay, there's, that's part of the segment. We'll have to get that in there as well. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time to do this service right now, but let's try to sneak in a little bit of the red chip defense events because all weekend long, Michael, you and I are going to go through your blue chippers as well. So very quickly, just when you look at the criteria that gets you to a red chip or a blue chip defensive end, what are you looking for?
3: Well, I think, you know, what we try to do on the podcast, David, is we try to separate the off the ball linebackers, the guy that play behind the line of scrimmage and the on the line linebackers, because we are now in an era of football where it kind of blends and overflows. There's no longer T.J. Watt at 255 pounds is listed as a linebacker, but he plays down all the time. You know, and Khalil Mack plays down, but is he a linebacker? He's 250. You know, there's that hybrid player that rushes more than he drops. And now that since the great Dick LeBeau started running zone blitzes in Cincinnati back in the early in the 80s, everybody kind of drops. We see guys dropping it. Not that they're effective at doing it. We just see guys do it. So. For me, you know, what I try to do is categorize, okay, here are the guys that, are, that, that can rush the passer, that can influence the quarterback, that don't necessarily always produce sacks, but they produce tremendous ability to get the ball out quickly. Like, hurries are more important than sacks. When you can hurry. Last year, T.J. Watt led the league with 22 and a half sacks, but he also led the league with 39 hurries. Wow. Okay, so that's a combination that's tremendous because the ball, when you hurry the quarterback, the ball's coming out sooner than he wants. And that's when interceptions occur. When you sack the quarterback, unless it's Daniel Jones, it's just the the loss of down. You don't get the ball out.
2: We're going to reveal the list tomorrow on the program for your red chip defensive ends. And then on Sunday, we'll get to your blue chippers. But very quickly in the last minute. I even see what they do with Aaron Donald in L.A. Sometimes they'll play him outside and they'll play him at defensive end. Do you like uh, either ends that can play inside and switching him up, or do you say no? Like Miles Garrett, rush the passer, that's what you do.
3: Well, I like to move around. I like it to be a basketball team. I want Miles Garrett to rush against the worst tackle. I don't okay. want him to necessarily rush against the best tackle. Now, I mean, he lines up over to the defensive right, the offensive left, but I would rather have him rushing against the worst tackle than if he's if the right tackle's no good, then I want to move him around. Plus, I want to be able to dictate where the protection's coming from by his alignment. All
2: right, we're going to get into this throughout the weekend here and get to your red chip defensive ends tomorrow on the show. I want to thank Wes Reynolds, Will Hill, Josh Appleman for joining And, Michael, I always enjoy the conversation with you, sir. Thank you, David. Thank you, Stephen Bond. Thank you, Stephen Bond. Great job behind the glass, as always. Uh, Don't go anywhere. we got you locked in all day long right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.